0: Welcome to a Writer's Life Podcast with your host, Dana Wayne. Sit back, relax, and listen as she shares the challenges and successes of her journey from writer wannabe to award-winning romance author. She'll share some tips along the way, inspiration, and snippets of her writing on the occasional short story. Now, here's your host, Dana Wayne. Hello and welcome to this episode of A Writer's Life. Today we're going to discuss the difference between a tagline and a logline and why you need them. I'm also going to go through uh, Chapter 1 of my latest release, Unveiling Beulah. Now, you can have a personal tagline, mine happens to be All About the Romance, or a book tagline. For today's discussion, we're going to be talking about a personal tagline. Now, taglines are... A short and sweet phrase that essentially describes you as an author. A logline, on the other hand, gives the crux of your book in a single sentence. Basically, the who, what, where, and why of the story. Think elevator pitch. That's the synopsis you give folks when they ask you what your book is about. So, taglines. How do you come up with one? For me, it was really simple. I write romance. That's all. It may be contemporary, romantic suspense, historical, but it's always a romance. So my tagline, All About the Romance, succinctly sums up what I'm about as an author. Now, some things that may help you come up with your own personal tagline. First of all, you want it to be unique, like you. Short and catchy, and and you want it to showcase your personality as well as your writing. If you already have several books out, you most likely have a tagline already, and actually it may even be easier to define one at that point since you have established a certain writing style. But even if you're just starting out, you know what image you want your writing to evoke in the reader. Oh, and don't be afraid to change your tagline as you grow as a writer. Your style may change, or the themes you deal with may change, and your tagline needs to reflect that. My very first tagline was, heartwarming romance with a side of spice. I still like that one, but All About the Romance more aptly sums up what I write today. Whether you have several books out or you're just getting started, you want your tagline to reflect what you write. So, easy way to do that. Start with a list of words and phrases that reflect what your stories encompass. Now, I know that sounds kind of simple, but it works and will help you get started. Ask yourself if there is a common theme like fantasy worlds, strong alpha males, or small towns that can be incorporated. Uh, Are there consistent obstacles or moods like second chances, uh, good versus evil, or romantic comedy that can also be uh, incorporated? Next, you want to write down whatever comes to mind whether it makes sense or not, anything, any word or phrase that describes your story or stories, write it down. Now, for me, my list included things like second chances, women over 30, steamy love scenes, strong men with a soft side, starting over, rediscovering yourself, you know, passion and that kind of stuff. Next, you want to look at putting those words and phrases together in a sentence and see what you come up with. I wish I could find the original list I had. It was pretty extensive, but I remember things like romance over 30, second chance romance, things like that. And again, the first tagline I used for the couple of years was heartwarming romance with a side of spice. I still like it, but all about the romance more aptly sums up what I write now. Next, you want to brainstorm with family friends, your writing buddies, whoever and see what their take on the list is. Keep tweaking it and narrowing it down until you come up with something you like. Lyra Brannon is an awesome ri- YA writer that uh, hers is it's all about the story. Mike Clifton who I interviewed here a few weeks ago uses, Journey into the realms of magic and mystery. And Patty Wiseman, another author friend, uses challenge, conquer, change. So you see, it's all about you as an author. Who are you? What do you want your readers to think when they see or hear that tagline? It's all about you. And again, don't be afraid to change it as time goes on because you will grow as a writer and your style may change and you want your tagline to reflect that. Now, loglines are totally different. Where taglines are all about you, loglines give essential details of your books in a very short sentence or two. Like I said above, it's the who, what, where and why of your story. You're not trying to give a synopsis with every little nuance of the plot. You just want some core details. Now, everything that I read about how to write a logline essentially says the same thing. You ask yourself the basic who, what, where, and why of your story then use the answers to compile your logline. So, Using my latest book, Unveiling Beulah, let's ask those questions. And by the way, you don't use names in log lines. Just he, she, her, him. First question. Who is your main character? A woman with a scarred face. When, where does the story take place? 1879, New York and Texas. What's the problem? A former nemesis shows up and undermines her chance at love. Why does it matter? She's made a new life for herself and fallen in love. How is it resolved? She stands up to the nemesis and finds true love and acceptance. So, using that basic outline, I came up with this. Now, I'll admit it still needs tweaking because, well, I think it's too long, but frankly, I just haven't had the time to work on it, but it gives you an idea. So, in 1879, Texas, A woman with a badly scarred face flees New York following a scandal. A nemesis arrives and tries to undermine her newfound life and destroy her one chance at love. That's it. Like I said, this one needs a little bit of tweaking, but the basics are there. The who, what, where, and why of the story. Try this on your book. I'd love to see how it works for you. Taglines and log lines are two of the most important tools in your marketing toolbox. It doesn't matter if you're indie published or you go the traditional route. Now, if your goal is to go traditional publishing, you absolutely must have both, especially the log line. And you must say it smoothly and with conviction, so practice it a lot. Now, because trust me on this, the minute anyone finds out you're an author, they will immediately ask what your book is about. Your friends, your family, the dentist, Joe Blow down at the coffee shop, tell them you're an author, and they immediately ask what your book is about. If you have to hem-haw and stumble around trying to come up with a decent reply, you will immediately lose credibility, so practice that pitch. You know, Daddy always said, if you don't toot your own horn, sometimes it might not get tooted. Well, as an author, you absolutely must toot your own horn. That's not always easy either. So if you're a lip, the least bit shy, and a lot of authors inherently are, you got to get over it. Face your audience with confidence and pizzazz, even if you have to fake it till you make it. Okay, shameless self-promotion now. My latest book, Unveiling Bueller, released this week and is available in all major outlets in both ebook and print. You can also order signed copies of any of my books off my website, DanaWayne.com forward slash order. I know I shared the back copy in one chapter before, but I wanted to share one more snippet for you. This is the first part of chapter one. A rain-sleet mixture pelted the grime-coated window of the train car, leaving a trail of muddy streaks puddled at the bottom. Beulah Mae Lockhart considered, considered this less-than-auspicious welcome to Texas a good omen. Start bad, end well was her philosophy. At least she tried to make it so. She pulled the off-folded piece of paper from her handbag and smoothed it over her lap. A newly awakened sense of strength bolstered her spirits, and her body vibrated with new life as she reread it. I, Frank Barker, owner of Bakersville General Store, Bakersville, Texas, do hereby said, sell said business, building, and all contents to B.M. Lockhart of New York. Sale includes the inventory listed below, the house located behind the store, and any items left behind. B scanned the list already committed to memory, which was nothing like the items stocked by her father's upscale mercantile in New York. Basic frontier supplies, farm tools, flour, sugar, lard, seed, no silk or satin, no crystal service, no crystal or silver service, nothing extravagant, nothing special. But it was hers, and one day it would be special." She returned the treasured document to her bag and shivered as frigid air seeped around the edge of the window. The heavy wool coat was no match for the deep chill ingrained in the wooden floor that leached into her feet despite her leather boots and thick stockings. Only another hour or so, I can stand it that long. A woman, seated across the aisle, ducked her head when B caught her staring at the jagged scar on her right cheek. Bee didn't bother to adjust the hat's veil to cover it. She refused to hide anymore. People would accept her as is, disfigurement and all, or they could go to, well, they could go away and leave her be. She sat up straighter and addressed the woman. Are you from Bakersville?" Startled, the woman flinched and looked at the scar again rather than meeting Bee's gaze. Um, yes, we live in town. She sift- shifted in the seat eyes finally making contact I've not seen you around before I recently purchased some property there the woman's eyes lit up I'm Eunice Martin my Jeb runs the post office and telegraph the only thing I know for sale around here is the mercantile but I heard someone named B.M. Lockhart from New York bought it. Is that your husband? B countered the question with one of her own how long have you lived there? The look of disappointment on her companion's face was so acute Bee almost felt sorry for her. Almost About six years, the woman cocked her head to one side. You're not from around here, are you? New York. Mrs. Martin's eye lingered over the scar and Bee struggled to stifle the angry retort hovering on the edge of her tongue. She refused to explain it to anyone, especially someone so noticeably rude. I understand there's a rather nice hotel in town. There is. She blustered and sat up straighter, gloved hands clasped over an expansive waistline, one bushy brow arched upward, if you don't mind associating with, well, her kind. Bee's protective instinct kicked in with a vengeance. A victim of unwarranted bias because of the scar, she had no tolerance for discrimination or prejudice. And just what is that, Mrs. Martin? What kind is that, Mrs. Martin? She made no effort to temper the iciness in her voice. Seemingly unaware of B's approval, the woman's face became infused with what appeared to be misguided happiness. She's not married. She leaned forward and her voice dropped, though no other passengers were close enough to hear. And has a child. She straightened and sucked in a self-righteous breath and you know what that means. It took Bea a moment to regain her composure. No, I don't know. Before the nasty woman could say more, she cut her off, and neither do you. Mrs. Martin sputtered and sat back in the seat, blinking rapidly. I'm merely trying to help. Are you now? By implying the owner of the hotel is somehow unworthy of my patronage simply because she has a child. She doesn't have a husband, snapped Mrs. Martin, and nobody knows why. Meaning you don't know, and for that reason alone, you suppose the worst-case scenario. Be sat up straighter. I do not listen to gossip and prefer to evaluate people based on how they treat me and others. With that stiff reprimand, she turned and looked out the window, effectively ending the conversation. Unfairly shunned by her family and society as well, B quickly related to the unknown woman's plight. Ever since the accident when B was 13, she stoically endured her mother's declaration that the scar somehow made her unworthy of love or even affection. Tutors and other household staff tried to fill the emotional void caused by her parents' coldness. But thanks to her grandmother's steadfast love and support, B managed to grow up relatively well-adjusted, but painfully shy. Her sudden death eight years ago left B inconsolable for weeks until that surprised visit from Granny's lawyer. The sizable and unexpected inheritance provided a much needed boost of self-confidence and initiated a series of long overdue changes. The first one being her refusal to rel- relinquish control of the money to her father, who believed women in general were ill suited for such things. Thanks to the guidance and support of her late grandmother's lawyer and banker, B discovered she possessed a shrewd head for business. Using her beloved grandmother as inspiration, B began to consider a future away from New York and her parents. Still, after being years of being told she was somehow defective, it took time to gain the confidence to not only venture outside the home, but convince her father to teach her how to run his fashionable mercantile, albeit from the back rooms. The only reason he relented was her mother's declaration that since B was completely unmarriageable, she may as, make, may as well make herself useful. Under B's leadership, Lockhart's became the place for the social elite to purchase whatever the most current rage happened to be. Until disaster struck in the form of one Edmund Wilshire Abernathy III, surprised and flattered by the handsome aristocrat's attention, B fell hard and fast. Three months later, they became engaged. Even now, her face burned with shame as she recalled the debacle. One would think a woman thirty years of age would be smart enough to see past the smooth-talking Englishman to the scoundrel lurking beneath the surface. Thankfully, B ignored her mother's insistence she grant Edmund control of her finances before they married. Otherwise, he would have likely squandered it all on his worthless schemes before his real character became known. Some of her parents' friends and her father were not so lucky. Image was everything to her parents and the subsequent scandal rocked their world. They placed full blame on B for the debacle, despite the fact that it was her father who brought Edmund into their home and encouraged their relationship and subsequent engagement. That disastrous event set her feet on the path she now trod. She wasn't surprised when her parents' first concern upon hearing of her plan to leave was if she planned to replace the money Edmund swindled from them. She suffered no qualms in refusing their request. The screech of the train's whistle interrupted her musings. She stiffened her back and inhaled, The past is gone. My future starts today. The steam engine's dirty window and swirling smoke obscured her view as the train rolled to a stop. She allowed herself only a moment's hesitation before rising to meet her future. Thank you for joining me today. I will see you at the next episode. Until then, happy writing. Thanks so much for listening to a Writer's Life podcast today. I do hope you've enjoyed the show, and I greatly appreciate any feedback and support. If you have a topic you want me to talk about, just drop me a comment or email me at danawayne423 at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. All of my books are available on Amazon, Books to Read, and all major online outlets. Hey, and you can also order signed copies as well as other swag through my website, DanaWayne.com forward slash order. I hope you'll follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next episode.